He used to say, if that doesn't set you on fire, your wood's wet. (laughs) That is good stuff. Hey, listen, I know that we've honored a a number of people here today, but uh, I would be so amiss if I did not recognize very, very dear people who led our district so faithfully. I was just so pleasantly surprised to look out and see brother and sister Baker here with us. Brother Bill Baker, would you stand along with your lovely wife? Would you show appreciation to them today? It is so good to have you here. I'm honored, sir. Now, you got to help me out a little bit today. You have to understand that uh, before we were elected into the office of district superintendent that we had served in the same church for 25 years in a little town known as Ash Grove, just outside of Springfield. Now, here was an advantage that I had. Um, I I tend to get my tongue tongled once in a while. I uh, tend to say things not exactly how I expect to, or I say something and maybe it doesn't come out quite like I want it to. And the wonderful thing about it was I knew that this congregation knew my heart. And if they knew my heart, even if I said something that was just really off the wall, a little bit on the goofy side, then they would understand. And they would say, they would run it through the filter of my heart, and it cut down a whole bunch on misunderstandings, if you follow me. Now, I'm at a disadvantage today. I've got one shot. I've got one opportunity to speak into your hearts. But I want you to know my heart, my heart is for the Lord My heart is for us leading this district forward for the glory of God. And my heart is for Crown Point, Assembly of God. I honestly believe that God has some fantastic things in mind for this church. As a matter of fact here, I've got something, not just a generic message, but a specific direction that we need to go today. And in order to be able to to really lead into it, what I need to do is I need to start with what brought us to this point today of the message that I'm going to share with you. Because your pastor asked specifically, he shared some things that he's been speaking into your life and into the life of this body the last few weeks and and things that he's going to be sharing here in the the near future. And and, uh, he said, I I want you to share a little bit of what you shared at District Council because it, it dovetails in with what we are doing here and what God has called us to do. You see, one of the things that I realized as I came in as district superintendent is that God wanted to do, take us to a whole new season of harvest. That we thank God for what he has done in our fellowship. We thank God for what he has done in the assemblies of God. But we are far from done. And at district council on Tuesday morning, I, I presented what I called the 4G what I call the God-given great goals for the direction I believe God wants our district to go. You see, as Brother Newby mentioned, the Southern Missouri District is everything south of the Missouri River, and that's quite a chunk of territory, and it takes in quite a, a large mass of people, particularly because if you follow the Missouri River, it takes in the lion's share of Kansas City, it takes in the lion's share of St. Louis, and everything south. And in that region, there are approximately 4.5 million people, according to the census that was taken in 2010. Now, there's a lot of different ways that statistics are measured. There's a lot of different ideas and thoughts about how much America is churched. But kind of a middle-of-the-road approach 
is a gentleman that came up with a number that approximately 25% of Americans are attached to, are involved in a faith community. They are part of a church. They would consider themselves part of a body of believers. 25%. And if those numbers are true for Southern Missouri, which I believe they really are, that means that there are approximately 3.4 million people in southern Missouri who are not attached to a faith community. And I have to believe that if they're not attached to a faith community, since that is a direct command of the Lord for His believers and His followers, that there is a high, high chance that they are not connected with Jesus. And if they're not connected with Jesus, they are facing a dire eternity. Now, on any given Sunday morning, there's a a little less than 60,000 persons attending Southern Missouri District Assemblies of God churches. A little bit less than 60,000. And some might think, well, that's pretty good. But we have so much to do. Matter of fact, God began to challenge my heart to challenge this district to go someplace that we've never gone before. It had been a lot easier to take a little bit lower numbers, maybe expand the time, but here's where we're going. The 4G, the great given God goals are these. That by the year 2020, there will not just be some 60,000 attending Assemblies of God churches in the southern Missouri, but that there will be 100,000. And one of the first steps that we did to bring that about is we appointed the individuals who serve as the director of resource and development at our campgrounds and have a great heart for uh, intercession, the Washams. We appointed them as intercessory prayer coordinators for our district. And we had intended, we stated at the district council that the very first step that we wanted to take, because we believe if we go forward, we'll go forward on our knees. And so the very first step we took was to begin to produce the prayer cover to move us forward as a district. And so I asked them to coordinate, and we desired, we desired to, uh, to recruit at least 100 prayer intercessors before District Council 2013. I'm pleased to announce to you, if my numbers are correct, what I've already heard, we have already surpassed that 100. And I'm not just talking about people, like, oh yeah, I'll pray once in a while, but people who will diligently take it upon their heart to call upon God that He will move us forward to reach our world for Christ. You might say that's a little bit exaggerating, isn't it? 100,000? But when you compare it to 3.4 million people who are not connected with Christ, another 40,000 of growth really doesn't seem that outlandish. One of the ways that we're going to move forward is in church planting. Our goal is that by 2020, we will have 100 new places of worship, AG churches in southern Missouri. But that's not just enough to plant new churches because of the fact that that you need churches that are already in operation, churches that are already ministering to rise to the occasion and to begin to move in in a, a, a higher level of reaching their community for Christ. Right now, a third of the churches in the Southern Missouri District are growing. A third are plateaued and a third are declining. Our goal is that by 2020, 60% of the churches in southern Missouri will be growing, reaching their community 
for Christ. Let me show you how important that is. I was with a group of pastors the other day, and, and I began to just talk with them, and it was a town of about, I, I just began to go through the numbers with them. I said, okay, you got about 7,000 in the town. Uh, I did some checking. You have about 14,000 in your zip code. How many do you think are attending churches here in the area? I said, 3,000. One of the pastors spoke and said, probably two. I said, okay. So 14,000. Let's just take it. Let's just, just for the fun of it, let's just take 3,000 and be generous. That means there's 11,000 people within 20 minutes driving distance of your church that are not serving Christ. What would the numbers be for Crown Point? I dare say that 11,000 wouldn't even be a drop in the bucket. Now, here's what blessed my heart. Now, why is it so important? It's so important because these, every number is a person. We're not just trying to be big. We're trying to reach our world for Christ because I believe Jesus is soon coming. And what we do, we must do quickly. Now, what has that got to do with Crown Point? Let me tell you what it has to do. One of the things that blessed my heart at District Council is not only the opportunity to share that vision with the congregation and with the district, but as I watch pastors buy in and say, count us in, we want to be part of that. I was a little overwhelmed as I sat down with your pastor, who I already respected and appreciated so much, and I talked to him at the ordination banquet before we went in to lay hands on those who would be ordaining that night, and he and I began to have a little bit of a conversation, and he was talking about the transition that he would be going through and focusing on North, uh, on, on Cross, I'll get it right here in a minute, Crown Point. There we go. Sorry, guys. And I watched and I saw a passion in his eyes. He said, you know, I met with my staff yesterday. And he said, you want to see 40,000 more people in churches by 2020. We want to give you one of those. He just said it really casual. I said, you want to give us one, you want to give us 1,000 of those. And so nonchalant, he said, yeah, that's right. We want to give you 1,000 of those 40,000. And it kind of reminds me, he's not near that old. He's such a young man. But it just kind of reminded me of Caleb when they walked into the promised land and when they finally got into the promised land, Caleb walks up to Joshua and says, hey, by the way, you remember what was spoken to me? You remember what God told me? He told me he would give me that mountain. Now, Joshua, give me that mountain. I'm going to go take it over. And we're not talking about they were going to casually move in and build their houses. They had to defeat the armies that were on top of that mountain. And he said, give me that mountain. And it just reminds me of that. As Brother Newby says, I'm not laying down and quitting. I've got work to do. I'm getting ready to take a congregation to a new season and a new place. And I believe that it can be accomplished. I believe that you can radically affect lives. You say, well, we kind of like it the way that it is. The people who need to be reached for the gospel are too important for us not to do our very best to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to them and to bring them to the faith. Can you say amen to that? So today I want to talk to you a little bit about vision. Because that's what the pastor has been doing and what he will be doing in these next few weeks as you're in the My Church series. You, you see... I love to talk about vision. I love to be around people who are visionaries. 
it sets my wood on fire. I'm not real comfortable around whiny, gripey, complainy people that see a cloud behind ever silver lining. Their two favorite words are, yeah, but... You see, vision is so intense and it's so fabulous and it's so closely linked with faith. We'll talk about that a little bit more here later. Not a lot later, don't get worried, okay? You see, vision and faith are interlinked. Vision is seeing things as if they already are before they are, right? It's catching that glimpse, that vision, of where that, that view of where we're going. And faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you see the connection? And so today, to really be able to take us where we need to go, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the faith chapter. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read one verse to you. And and I'm telling you what, I love that chapter, and I love all the things that the different people did to make it into this hall of faith, this hall of fame. But there's one particular individual who's one of my greatest heroes in the Old Testament, and, and he got into the faith chapter for several different aspects, but I find this to be probably one of the most unique verses in the book of Hebrews, in this chapter. And uh, several years ago, I began to dig in, and I found a really, really interesting story. And I want to abbreviate it a little bit today because I want to get to the main... I'm not abbreviating the word, but I want to abbreviate the story so that we can get right to the main thought of the three points because everybody has to have three points, right? I don't have a poem today, I'm sorry. But three points that I want to get across to you today. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, and it says this, By faith Joseph when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave them instructions about his bones. What in the world? We've got all these people who who faced wild animals, these people who faced great armies. We've got these people, we've got all these great men of faith. And when it comes to Joseph, there were other things he was mentioned for. but, But he is mentioned in the faith chapter because he gave instructions to them concerning his bones. That caused me to kind of say, what in the world's going on? And so I had to go to the Old Testament, Genesis 50, and I found these words. Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machar, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land, into the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. And Joseph And God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. And then Joseph died. 110 years old. They embalm him and put him in a coffin. Joseph, as he is facing death, looks at his brothers and says, Don't leave me in Egypt. This is not my home. There's something Better than this. 
And let's talk about Joseph just for a minute. Joseph was a dreamer. He came by it naturally. His daddy was a dreamer. His granddaddy was a dreamer. His, his great-great-granddaddy was a dreamer. But really, I think more than dreamers, they were visionaries. A visionary is one who sees farther than others see. A visionary is one who captures the heart of God and the direction of God and then is able to paint a picture for those that he is leading. This is what it looks like. This is what it's going to look like when we get there. I guarantee you, as I've been around Brother Newby, he is a man of vision. He has led this church already to great things. But I want you to know, this is not as good as it gets. And I have a feeling that he has already begun to picture in his mind what it will look like for this church to grow a thousand in the next eight years. He has already begun to anticipate what will occur and what will need to happen and what facilities would need to look like and what staffing would need to look like and what will be required of this body. And I believe in his mind he has already seen the picture. For Joseph, he had already seen one dream come true. You know the story. It's the one he's the most famous for. How he came to his brothers one day and said, Hey, guys, this is so great. I had this dream the other night. We were all these sheaths of corn in the field. And, and it was so awesome because your sheaths came and bowed down to me. Isn't it wonderful? And then he came again. He said, oh, Guys, 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 you got to hear this. I had another dream. Mom and dad were the sun and the moon. We were stars. And the sun and the moon and the stars bowed down to my star. Isn't it awesome? Praise you, Jesus. And his brothers are like, you can see kind of how his brothers took it because later on they throw him in a pit, get ready to kill him, and sell him into slavery. That's what they get. You have to be careful who you share your dreams with. Because they'll walk on them, they'll stomp on them, they'll spit on them, and they will discourage you to no end. There are some people in my life at various times that I have had to literally distance from. Because at certain times in my life, I realized if I didn't get away from them, they were going to drag me down because they were going down fast with their attitudes, with their ideas, with their negativity. And I just had to say, whoa, got to get away from that. But then there are those that pick you up and lift you up. And you know the story how Joseph went from pit to slavery to prison, to the palace, and then to, as he brings his brothers and his brothers bow down, and rather than rubbing it in his face, he said, guys, you meant it to me for ill, but God meant it for good. He has brought me to this place, not for prestige and honor, but for service to you to see that our family is spared. And now when we see Joseph near the end of his life, he is again dreaming a dream. And he looks at his brothers and says, guys, I know it seems good here, but this is not good enough. There is something better than this. And you hold on, guys, and I'm going to die, but would you please make sure that your children don't leave my bones in this land because this is not my home. Now, let me fast forward real quickly and just take you through a journey. And I, I would normally read the verses, but I, but I don't have time this morning to, to be able to do that and really touch all that I need to touch. So let me just say to you, if you look when Moses and the children of Israel, 400 years later, are getting ready to leave Egypt, you may have never noticed this before. 
But I, 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 I encourage you, use a concordance something, dig through and find it. Because here's what you'll find. Right before they walk out, Passover has occurred, all, everything is un, uh, restless and, and there's turmoil and they're getting ready to walk out of Egypt victorious. What's the last thing they do? They grab up Joseph's bones. And for 40 years, they carried Joseph's bones through the wilderness. Can you imagine if it was your turn to carry the bones today? Hey, Benjamin, it's me and you today. We got the coffin. All right, here we go. Here they are carrying the bones. But the bones represented a whole bunch more than just the bones of an old dead patriarch. They represented a promise. They represented a promise. And when you get to the book of Joshua, you get to the end of the book of Joshua, and Joshua has successfully led the children of Israel in conquest of the land. And Joshua chapter 24, you, you see Joshua speaking to the children of, Egypt, or of Israel, and he's saying, listen, you do whatever you want to. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And he takes that last stand as a man of God. We see that Joseph dies, and at the end of that passage... You find, and they buried the bones of Joseph in the land. Promise fulfilled. And what has that got to do with you today? Story about bones. By faith, Joseph spoke to his brothers, to the children of Israel, and said, he spoke to them of leaving Egypt. He spoke about his bones. There are three lessons, three truths that I want us to learn today from the story of Joseph's bones. Number one, God always comes through on his word. Every time. One of the most frustrating things in my life, and I think that we all face it at some time, is when things get busy and things get hectic and there's a lot of different demands and there's commitments that we make when we miss a commitment. How I many know what that's like? You're supposed to be over there and, and you realize it when you're over here and, and there's no way to get over there. Have you, have you ever had that happen before? Maybe you make a promise to one of your children. I promise we'll do this on thus and so day. And lo and behold, something happens and you end up having to work late. For, you have to work late or, or some tragedy occurs. Something happens and you're not able to fulfill your word. It's a, it's, an, it's a yucky feeling, isn't it? And because we're human, because I'm human, because I cannot control all circumstances, I can barely get myself up in the morning... I may make a promise to you. I may make a commitment to you. And something may keep me from fulfilling that commitment. But God always comes through on His Word. Every time. I love that verse in the Bible and it's translated or interpreted. It's translated several different ways. But it says something to the effect of this. That God's promises are yes and amen. How many of you have seen that before? Right? There's a lot of different ways to slice that, but, but here's what I get in my mind. 
But first of all, do you know what the word amen means? Now, here's what we think amen means. We have put it into our own culture that amen means that's all, folks. I'm done praying now. You know, you're bowing your head and you're kind of looking out of the corner of your eye because they're getting a little bit long-winded on the prayer and you're just waiting for the amen. Amen. Okay, that's done. All right. Like, I'm done now. You can lift your head. You can open your eyes. Amen, I'm done. That's not what amen means. Amen, when you begin to investigate, really means may it be so. In other words, it is the final supplication, the final request of your prayer. God, all of these things I have presented to you now in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. May it be so. I'm going to get kind of, maybe I should step down because I'm going to get a little bit unspiritual here for a minute because when I was a kid, I loved to watch Star Trek. Space, the final frontier. I'm not gonna, we're not going to have an altar call right now and have a show of hands on them. We have to watch Star Trek, okay? But then they came out with Star Trek, the next generation. How I many know what I'm talking about? And I could bring a couple of you that could come up here and demonstrate to us what Captain Picard looks like, but I'm not going to do that today. Because Captain Picard is this guy, this, this hairless guy that's there, and, and I mean, he's just, he's just this sharp guy. I mean, it's just, I love Captain Picard. I've probably watched two of the next generations, because without Spock, it just wasn't the same. Y'all got to be, come on now, help me out a little bit here. I really am going somewhere with this, I promise. But here's one of the things, only saw the next generation a couple of times, but one of the things that fascinated me was this. You know, they always have a crisis, right? That's why the TV show is there. You know, they, and, the, and his, his cohorts, his lieutenants would come running up to Captain Picard. Captain Picard, we've got this terrible problem. The ship is going to blow up in 20 minutes. And, and, you know, and all these different things, you know it's not going to happen because you've already seen the previews for the next week. And, And then they'll say, but Captain, we think we can do this and this and this. And I love it when Captain Picard looks at them and he kind of rears his shoulders back a little bit and he says, make it so. I thought about trying that in the district office a couple times. You know, somebody just walk in and say, hey, listen, I think we could do this and just go, make it so. (laughs) May it be so. Now listen to this. The promises of God are yes and amen. When God says amen, when he says make it so, it's so. Thousands of years ago, he says, I think I'll make earth. Let there be light. Make it so, and it was so. He said, let there be animals, make it so, and it was so. He said, let there be man, may it be so. And he brought him out of the very dirt of the ground. When God says yes and amen, it's going to happen. There is not a pit deep enough to stop him. There is not a prison strong enough to hold back the promises of God. And if God has spoken something to your life, if he has said, this is something I have for you, then you can bank on it. You can count on it. It will be so because God always comes through on his word. We're not done yet. 
Lesson number two. Promise delayed is not promise denied or destroyed. We are not people of patience. We tap our foot waiting impatiently for two and a half minutes for our popcorn to finish in the microwave. We wait over a minute and a half at a stoplight and we think that it's going to run us hours late. I love standing outside an elevator and watching people getting fidgety and saying, you know, did you know that statistics prove that the average person will wait 38 seconds patiently for an elevator? But God sees the beginning and the end at the same time. And he's a patient God, and one of the reasons he can be patient is because he's already seen how this all plays out. He already knows. Joseph, probably as a teenager, had his visions of what God would do in his life. But how many years was there between the time that God spoke it into his heart and the time that it came to reality? Years. But promise delayed is not promise denied. There are some promises that God has spoken to some of you in your hearts. And you held on for a little while. But you're just about at the point of giving up. Did I really hear from God? Was that really him? But if you'll hold on and realize that there may be a delay. I was talking with a guy the other day and he was waiting patiently somewhat for God because he really doesn't know the next step for his life. And, and I reminded him of something that I already knew that he knew. And I said, you know, here's what I found out. God is never late. But I've discovered he's never early very often either. <laughs> he's just right on time. We'd like for him to be early sometimes, wouldn't we? Because delay is not fun. You see, Second Peter address, addresses that in chapter 3. When Peter is talking and he said, you know, there are those that say, where is the promise of his coming? Everything has continued on. Maybe he's not really coming back. We know he said he was coming back. Maybe he's not because he hasn't come yet. And here's what Peter says. But God is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness. But he's long-suffering, not any, willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What Peter was trying to bring out is, you see, he has only delayed his coming not for himself, but he has delayed his coming for you. You see, that's important that he's delayed his coming. If he delays his coming till 2020, that's going to be really, really important because this church is endeavoring in the next eight years to reach 1,000 more people for Christ. And the only reason that you'll be able to do that is because God's not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. So every day that he withholds and waits on its coming, it's so that some more can come to him and spend eternity with him rather than in hell. Yeah, promise delayed is not promise denied or destroyed. And finally this. Once you catch a glimpse, a taste of the promised land, you'll never be content to live in Egypt again. 
You see, we have no biblical record of when Joseph caught this next dream, but I've got an idea. Because if you read very closely, you'll find out that Joseph's dad, Israel, or Jacob, died in Egypt. And Joseph, with his brothers and family, mourn him and carry him back to the promised land and bury him in the promised land. I really think it was on that journey that Joseph had another spiritual encounter where he had vision from God. Because I believe that when he came back from that journey, he was never the same again. Because he had enjoyed Egypt, he had lived in wealth, he had lived in prestige and in honor. But I believe when he got back, that's when he began to get restless. And he began to pull his family together and say, guys, something's not right here. This is not as good as it gets. We're not supposed to be here forever. I've seen the promised land. God spoke into my heart. I know that he spoke to our daddy and he spoke to our grandfather and he spoke to our grandfather, our great-grandfather, but he's spoken to me. We're going to end up over there. Don't leave my bones in Egypt. Do not leave me here. This is not my home. Take me with you because you're not going to stay here forever. The most angry the most miserable, the most cantankerous people that you will ever experience or encounter in your life are those who have tasted of the things of God and then walked away from them. Because you see, once you catch a glimpse of the promised land, you'll never be content to live in Egypt again. You may live there, but you won't be happy there. There has to be a level of holy discontent that comes up in our hearts that says, this is not as good as it gets. There's something more than this. And I honestly believe that God is going to use your pastor and your pastor's wife and the staff of this church. You guys got like a dream team. I've said that to Brother Newby before. Unbelievable the team that he has gathered together for such a time as this. And I believe that they're going to lead you to this state of holy discontent. It says we can't stay here like we are anymore. We have to move forward. Let me just kind of wrap this all up today. You see, you can get around somebody, and I can be around for somebody for a little bit, and I can tell you whether a person of vision or not can see it in their eyes. I, I try to get around those people as much as I can, Jeremy. You can sense it in their being. They get up and you think that when they get up in the morning, they're one of those people that they got the power of God is on them so much that the devil has assigned a, a demon to their bedside so that he can warn hell when they wake up. Watch out, he's awake. Because something's going to happen. You see the fire and the passion in their eyes. But I've also seen those who were visionless or who had lost vision. There's an emptiness in their hearts and their lives. There's, you sense it. It's like those that I have seen that were called to a great work but allowed something to come into their life and to circumvent what God wanted to do. And you see the misery and pain in their life. And you say, oh God, would you restore them? Would you bring them back to a point that they can once again walk in passion and vision? 
God wants to put passion and vision in the eyes of this congregation. Not just in the pastor. Not just in the executive pastor. Not just in the youth pastor or the worship pastor and all the others. But he wants it in you. To say like Caleb, give me this mountain. Old phrase, borrowed phrase, but so true. If your memories are greater than your dreams, you're destined for disaster. But when your dreams are bigger than your memories, you're destined for beautiful destiny. Hold on to your dreams. Hold on to your dreams because God always comes through in his word. Promise delayed is not promise destroyed. And once you catch a glimpse of the promised land, you'll never be content to live in Egypt again. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. four things that I want to do in the next couple of minutes and don't get restless by that because it's going to be the fastest thing you've ever seen done and four things done in just a few moments. We have specific bases I need to cover this morning. Number one, the most important, if you're here today and you have not made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not serving him. I want you to know that before you were ever even born, God had a plan for your life, but you will not be able to fulfill that destiny until you first surrender your life and heart to him and allow him to be the Lord of your life. And so if you're here today and you'd say, Brother Miller, I am not in right relationship with God. God's dealing with my heart and, and I sense what you're saying and it, it's, it's exciting me, but then I realize it's really not for me because I haven't even given my life to him how can I serve him how can I be part of his kingdom moving forward if I'm not even part of his kingdom so if you're here this morning you say I'm not in right relationship with Jesus but I really would like to be would you slip your hand up real quickly anywhere in this building right now I'm going to wait just a moment I'm going to wait just a moment I know it's not the major thrust of this message but it's the major thrust of every service that occurs in this place and across this nation I want you to look at me for a minute. Here are two other things that we need to hit real quickly. There are some of you in this room that at some point in your life, God spoke destiny into your life. He spoke vision into your life. I'm going to ask you to be a little bit bold today. And God wants to do something for you. But for some reason, it has not came to fulfillment yet. And today, God is just, you may just be a little bit ticked off at me right now, matter of fact. Because see what happens is sometimes when vision doesn't come about, we kind of push it down and we kind of forget about it and we go on about our life. But then some turkey comes along and he stirs it back up and you say, there you go. Now I'm going to be thinking about it again all week long on purpose because God's not done yet. And so I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but what I am going to ask you to do, if you're here today and you say, God's spoken vision into my heart, he's spoken something into my life, maybe it's a promise for your family, maybe it's a promise of what he wants to do in your life, but you'd say, I have not yet seen it fulfilled. And I begin to get discouraged, but today I want to grab a hold again of that vision. Can you stand anywhere across this building right now and just stay standing wherever you are? 
Just remain standing because there's a few more that need to stand with you. There are some others in this room today that you would say, you know what? To be honest with you, I don't know that I've ever listened closely enough to God that God's been able to speak vision into my life. I've just been kind of living for Friday. I've been just kind of going through life waiting to get to the, the weekend and and today something's stirring in my heart and you say, you mean for me? It's not just for preachers or pastors or, or it, it, you mean for me that God has something for me? If you're taking in air, God has vision for your life. You are here on purpose. You are not here to occupy space. You are here to occupy for the kingdom. And if you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't think I've ever truly heard from God true vision for my life. But today, I'm going to ask him. And it may be in a vision. It may be in a dream. It may be in a still small voice. But I believe that if you'll grab a hold and say, I want to know what God wants to do in my life. I believe in the next few weeks, God's going to speak specifically to your heart and help you know direction and give you passion. If you're here today and you say, I don't know where I'm going, but I want some direction. I want you to stand right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Don't wait for anybody else. Thank you. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you, those of you who are seated, I want you to look around you at the people who are standing. There is a fourth thing I mentioned, and we will be quick, but we're going to do one more thing that has to do with this church body. But right now, for these individuals, here in just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask at least one person to be with each one of these that are standing. And I just want to pray over you as a spiritual authority. I just want to pray over you that God will speak into your life, that God will re-energize that passion. Wherever you are today, those of you who are seated, I want you to stand up, and I want you to find somebody to pray with. Those of you who are standing, just begin to ask him right now. If you've lost vision, say, God, restore the vision to me right now. Remind me, God, if you've never had God to speak into your life something of direction. Now, it's getting a little cluttered, so I want you, if you were standing, I want you to raise your hand right now because I want us to make sure that there's someone praying with each one of them. Will you, right now, thank you, thank you. Father God, we just come together. We join, Lord God, right now we ask, Lord Jesus, would you speak into the hearts and lives of these individuals? Lord, would you just right now, I pray that you would stir up the vision of God that you had spoken to their heart. I pray, God, that you will give them fresh insight, fresh direction, that you will even now, God, re-energize them in the vision, in the passion of what you want to do in their life. And God, I pray especially for those, first of all, Lord, that have had some tragedy, some situation, something, God, that has caused them to think that the vision was not going to happen. The promise was not going to be fulfilled. I pray, oh God, would you today reaffirm your promise in their heart. And God, for those... For those this morning, Lord, that they've never really understood their purpose and destiny in life, I pray that today or in these next few weeks, that in the quiet of the night, you will speak into their life clear direction, clear, decisive word of this is what I want to do in and through you. This is why you were born. This is what you are going to be living for to fulfill your destiny in the kingdom. Stir them up, God. Stir them up, Lord Jesus, to a new place. To a new place. Come on, 
Sweep over this place right now by your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. Sweep over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there's one more thing else I want us to do today. I'm going to ask Brother Newby and Sister Newby to come. I'm going to ask any staff members that are in the building to come, and I want them to stand right now. I want them just to form a huddle right here. I, I don't know. I know Brother Newby. I know he has leadership well in place. I don't know all that you're set up, whether you have a board, whether you have an elder board. But I want those of you who are elders, those of you who are leaders in this church, would you just right now, would you take a moment to just step up and come forward this morning? If you're, if you're elders, if you're deacons, board members, I want you to come. And Guys, I just want you to form a circle right here if you would. I just want you to form a circle. Just like you're getting ready to go in to make a play in a football game. And you're huddling. You're getting ready. And just form that huddle however big it needs to go. Your quarterback's wearing a white coat today. He's ready to give the next play. Here's what I believe. I believe that God flows blessings from the Father, through the Son, through the pastor, through the leadership, to the people. Now, that's why it's so important for you to follow this man and his wife and these leaders. Is because if you don't, you'll not just affect their lives, you'll affect yours. You will circumvent and stop the flow of what God wants to do in blessing and anointing to this congregation. Because the anointing flows from the Father, through the Son, through the pastor, to the leadership, to the congregation. They are not the ministers, but they are the equippers of the saints for ministry. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask my wife to step in behind Sister Newby, and I'm going to step in behind Brother Newby as the leader of this flock. And I'm going to represent very, very unable to do that but today I'm going to represent the Lord as he lays his hand upon this man and as the anointing flows through the pastor through the leadership to the people what I want you to do is I want you to reach a hand forward and I want you to begin to pray that God will lead them that God will give them direction that they will know every strategy every play everything that must be done and I want you to join in that and say God I'm not standing up there but in my heart I am and I'm joining alongside and saying, I'm on the team. I'm on the team. I'm not going to set up in the stands and cheer on. I am not one. I'm not a spectator. I am a participator in the battle that's going to be fought. And together, we're going to radically affect Lee Summit Independence area, Kansas City area, for the glory of God. Would you join and intercede right now? Thank you, Jesus. Eka ta 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 ta